0: It's time for Talking Michigan Transportation, a podcast devoted to the conversations with people at the forefront of the ongoing mobility revolution. In the state that put the world on wheels, here's your host, MDOT Communications Director Jeff Cranston. Once again, welcome to the Talking Michigan Transportation podcast. Today I'm going to be talking about uh, excessive speeding and how uh, the experts think that factors into our disproportionate. Uh, fatal crash rate, um, even though traffic is down, was down as much as 60% at the beginning of the pandemic and leveled out at about 18 to 20% down. We saw more people killed on Michigan roads in 2020 than 2019. And it's really troubling. And um, first, I'm going to be talking with Lieutenant Dwayne Robinson of Michigan State Police about what he's seeing in uh, in terms of citations and in their investigations of crashes. And then later, I'll talk to Dr. Peter Savalainen from Michigan State University, uh, who has some some expertise in speeds and how they factor into severity of crashes. So, first, Lieutenant Robinson, thanks for taking time to do this. Thank you for having me today. So, just tell me, you know, what you've been seeing over the course of the year since the pandemic started and, you know, what the, the folks that uh, that are in your post are seeing on the roads.
1: Well, um, pretty much what the, the rest of the uh, state has been seen and that is excessive speeding on our freeways, uh, mainly um, I-94, U.S. 131, I-75, those stretch of roadways. Uh, If you remember back early when the pandemic struck, there was that lockdown statewide and um, actually nationally there was a lockdown because we really didn't know how how to address you know this this onslaught from this uh, from this virus. So you had um, people still commuting to work, and when in normal conditions and situations where there's road traffic out there, it kind of mod or kind of adjusts itself because there's so much traffic. But suddenly um, commuters all of a sudden had an open highway, and they didn't um, have the traffic jams, and they didn't see. A lot of police presence or at least they thought the police presence was kind of had kind of slowed down and they took advantage of that and um put their foot on the pedal um and pushed it and um and everyone knows the faster you go um you know when you crash your likelihood of a serious injury or death goes up exponentially so um we really have been stressing uh, through social media and through news releases to the public uh, to be mindful of their speed and um, and to let them know law enforcement, we are still out there, we are still ticketing, and we're pleading with them um, to please obey all traffic laws um, because it's kind of selfish too when you think about it. And what do I mean by that? Well, we have all these people who are in the hospitals for COVID um and we need uh the doctors to care for them and the nurses and whatnot and when you put yourself in a situation where you crash out and you need to go to the hospital now you're taken away from the people that are suffering from this pandemic where that could have been prevented if you had just done the speed limit and not been so selfish
0: that's a that's a really good point you make uh that that people that might get caught up in these crashes were harmless uh people on their way to work to do something important to the cause. So that's a that's a really good point. So what are you hearing? What are you and other troopers hearing from people when they get pulled over for, for speeding? Um, is it just, gosh, I just didn't realize how fast I was going because, you know, I had an open highway and, you know, I just wasn't paying attention. What kinds of things do people say?
1: You know, the typical, you know, defenses, I'm late for work, trying to get to the school to pick up the kids. Um, The car drives so smooth, I didn't realize how fast I was going, you know, all all kinds of excuses. And, um, you know, we've been telling them, hey, look, um, we know that the highways are open. So why don't you use that, that, that old technology of cruise that we all, you know, have in our cars nowadays, set it so that everyone's out here. Um, can re- can continue to be as safe as possible out here on the roadway. So,
0: not only is there cruise on top of you know all the other uh, the new technologies, in- including auto braking and uh, you know adaptive cruise control that, that sets you so many car lengths behind. Most cars now, modern cars have alarms that will go off. You can set it for a certain speed to alert you if you've exceeded that.
1: Yeah, um, you. It's just um, so so as always, Michigan State Police. Our goal when we pull cars over for whatever traffic violation, first and foremost, is to educate and to redirect. And so we have been doing a lot of educating. Um, We are handing out tickets um, when necessary, but our ultimate goal is to just educate the public um, on the importance of following the traffic laws, um, including speed laws, so that everyone can get to their destination safe, and so that you don't cause a crash that kills someone else's family or sends someone else's loved one to the hospital.
0: I think uh, a while back I talked about this um, with Lieutenant Shaw, one of your colleagues over in the in the metro region, and and he said that you're also seeing you know increased instances of uh, of non-seatbelt compliance.
1: Yeah, that's been uh, something that's been detected as well. Uh, we don't quite understand. We just, you know, uh, there's so many hypotheses out there um, that people are, you know, coming up with um, as to, you know, the the side other side effects of of being in this epidemic, this pandemic here, and that is people are just letting their guards down. You know, you've been trained and retrained and educated and reeducated on road safety. And then the moment it looks like, you know, the world has has been shaken, you lose everything that you've learned, you just throw it out the window Um, and you just can't do that. I mean, we all were kids growing up and all the values and morals our parents put into us, um, you don't suddenly just throw them away when you become an adult. Um, In fact, you kind of double down on them because now you're out on your own and um, dad and mom not watching you. So you have to do it on your own. So with uh, the roadways being um you know as uh less traveled and you may not see as many law enforcement officers out there don't throw away the values and the morals that you know that you you've learned over the years and self you know regulate and self-discipline yourself to do what's right
0: yeah, that's that's good advice i i wonder if i mean i don't remember anybody you know at mdat talking about this but i wonder if if we should have seen this coming, that uh, that for a while when there were so many fewer cars on the road, that that speeds were going to go up. that that could have been expected, or did that take us all by surprise?
1: I, I think we were all. I think we were all in shock, uh, Jeff. I mean, that thing hit us like a storm, like a like an earthquake. It shook us. You know, every sector of our lives, um, businesses, work. Um, I mean, you schools. I mean, how we shopped, you know, went to the grocery store. I mean, it just kind of shook us. And so um, I think people, um, you know, we're just, uh, well, some people, um, quite frankly, took advantage of the situation. Some are just inundated with stressors of life, uh, but that's why law enforcement are here. And that's why MDOT's here. You know, we're here to reinforce those things that those safety measures that, Um, We stress all year long um, from our capacities to try and maintain a safe roadway for for all drivers here in Michigan.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, a lot of people would be surprised uh, at how personally uh, the engineers who design the roads and how the troopers like yourself who are, you know, out there trying to keep them safe, uh personally they take it you know when there are crashes and when when people are not driving safely that it really bothers it bothers them they 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 feel like you know I spend all this time trying to keep people safe and yet these things keep happening so i think uh, i think everything you said is probably good counsel
1: yeah absolutely we it, it, that's one of our main uh, like i said earlier educating the public that that's our ultimate goal we 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 don't want to hand out um, $125 tickets you know especially now um, people are just trying to live, um, you know, day to day. You know, with their with their you know bills and groceries and and just putting gas in the car. So the last thing we want to do is hand out a uh, a ticket, uh, a fine, and cost to to put a burden on people's financially.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for taking time to do this, Senator Robinson. Let's hope that uh, as things start to return to you know some semblance of normal, that uh, so does driving behavior.
1: Absolutely. and Thank you for having me today.
0: All right. So I'm back with the uh, second segment of today's Talking Michigan Transportation podcast. And I'm pleased to have with me Dr. Savalainen from Michigan State University. And he's somewhat of an expert in these, these issues that we're talking about involving speeds and crashes and the severity of crashes at higher speeds. Um, it seems like basic physics, but there's a lot more to it than that, I think. So um, I I talked earlier with Lieutenant Robinson of the Michigan State Police about the trends that we've seen basically since the pandemic started. Traffic, as you know, was down as much as 60% uh, in the immediate weeks after the shutdowns and then bounced back, but ended up at the end of the year still down about 20%. And yet we had more people killed in car crashes in 2020 than we did in 2019. And everybody seems to agree that it's uh, mostly all about speed. Um, is, that, uh, is that your take?
2: Yeah, I think certainly speed's the one bigger factor, you know, just getting back to the fundamental nature of how we drive. And if there's less traffic on the road, we tend to drive faster as a consequence of that because we do a pretty good job of trying to minimize our travel time from point A to point B. And safety, I think, is largely incidental to that. You know, we're not actively thinking about what the, the risks are, because if we think about it on a per driver perspective, you know, our likelihood of being involved in a crash is is very, very, very small. And there's got to be a combination of factors that, you know, contribute to these these crashes occurring. And since we tend to be traveling at higher speeds when the crashes do occur, back to your point, the fundamental physics are kind of the determining factor in terms of how bad the consequences are. And so, yeah, I would suspect that a lot of this is being driven almost exclusively by speed.
0: So there's all kinds of talk about education efforts, and, you know, we know, I've talked to people at the national level about this and what messages resonate, and like you said, people of all ages, especially younger people, tend to think, you know, it's never going to happen to them. Um, so I I don't know, what do, you, what do you think gets gets to people that can make them actually think about it? driving more safely and altering their behavior?
2: That's a, a great question. That's kind of the million dollar question that's been facing the engineering and enforcement and education, the whole broader safety community over time is that driver behavior is inherently difficult for us to change. And so, you know, there's there's research, there's some things that we can do from an engineering perspective, but, you know, if we want to reduce speeds we can try to design the roadway so that drivers aren't as comfortable traveling at those higher speeds, um, and so that's you know one perspective approach to that. Um, you know, enforcement can play a role, but there are certainly some limitations uh, related to budget and other factors. You know, and if we look at, for example, the the political climate, there I can understand why there may be some reluctance um, for for large scale enforcement as well. And then if we look from an engineering perspective. Um, you know, just broadly speaking, it's very easy for us to give advice to others, but less easy for us to necessarily, you know, take that advice ourselves. And so I just, just thinking about my own experiences, uh, when I first had my first child, I think I had started to, to change my behavior a little bit when I had the child in my car with me, you know, that sort of compensation effect. And then over time, my driving has probably reverted back to uh, less conservative in nature, you know, and so I think. Um, You know, if you have personal experiences in crash or near crash events, or if you're aware of people, you know, family or friends that have been involved in crashes, um, things of that nature, I think that tends to resonate. But it's really a difficult problem to address uh, in Michigan here and and nationally, uh, because I think in, in current times, you know, we're constantly under pressure, you know, to get to and from work as quickly as possible. And we tend to be somewhat impatient, um, you know, driving for recreational purposes, there's enjoyment factors there as well involved. And so it's really just this mix of factors and there isn't really a silver bullet necessarily here. And so I think that's really a, a concern to everyone involved here is just trying to better understand, you know, the nature of this problem and what we could potentially do Uh, to address this. And I think some of these concerns um, are exacerbated by the fact that we did increase speed limits across Michigan back in 2017. And you know, uh, speeds have gone up as a consequence of that. Uh, Crashes and fatalities have generally gone up as well. And if you look at where there's pushback and reluctancy from the public standpoint, it would be those people that are most directly involved. So we'll hear a lot of complaints say in small towns. So I'm from the upper peninsula And you don't necessarily like those people coming into town, you know, 10 miles per hour faster, even if we drop the speed limits. There's a general tendency, um, and this has been borne out by research, that some of those speeds can potentially spill over and you still have higher speeds even in these towns where we've posted the speed limits to be lower. And so unfortunately, I I don't have a great response or a, a great solution for you. And so I think that's something we're continuing to try to work towards as a collective traffic safety community.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about, you know, having children and the first time that you uh, wrestle that child seat into your car and go through, you know, the, the hard work of making sure it's in there properly and that you've every, everything fastened down, it really kind of resonates. And you're probably right that once you get past those years, you, uh, you kind of forget about it again, and that's human nature. But I, I think, too, that it seems like all that we've done, you know, with, with technology, to make our cars safer with adaptive cruise control and auto braking and all the things that we know are going to lead eventually toward automated driving. And, and what's really going to make us safer is taking the human out of the equation. But in the meantime, our cars are also, you know, they ride smoother and that makes it easy to get going faster. So I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that uh, until we get to that point, you know, we can't human proof the system, right? There's no there's no way to build roads and design roads and design intersections and freeways so that they're going to be free of crashes. You know, they're, they're going to happen and crashes are because we're humans. The same reason they put erasers at the ends of pencils. So um, I, I just wonder long-term if you think uh, the it, it, is speeding is something we should be looking at. Is it, is it uh, you know, we did raise those speed limits and um, you know, some of your colleagues at Michigan State were involved in some of the studies and some of the testimony and some of that research. You know, are are we going to be looking back at that in a few years and thinking we went too far?
2: That's a a great question. And I mean, the preliminary data to that end, um, like I said, does suggest that crashes are up, fatalities are up. But this really mirrors trends that we've seen nationally. It's not just Michigan that's increased limits. Um at least half the states. If we go back over the past 10 years, they've increased the limits on their their high-speed roads. And so um, if we look at the response from the engineering community, there have been some projects um, and some research that is, I guess, conceded to the fact that, well, speeds are going up. So what do we try to do to make, you know, the consequences of these crashes uh less severe when they do occur and that gets to some of the driver assistance type systems that you had referred to there. Um, So obviously things like adaptive cruise control, forward collision warning, automatic emergency braking, I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, Interestingly, if you look in the research literature, there's also what's referred to as a risk offset hypothesis where as vehicles become equipped with these enhanced safety features. Uh, people tend to drive in a riskier manner once those systems are equipped. And so um, it's it's a real challenge. And so um, you know, if we're looking long term, you know, sure we've got the the potential of self-driving vehicles down the road. Um, there are a, a myriad of issues that need to be considered there because a lot of people, you know, just enjoy driving, for example. And so I think there's a lot of unresolved questions there. Um, in addition to to people loving to drive, they love to
0: drive fast, you know, frankly speaking as well. And so, um, you know, I I get that. And I think maybe there'll still be tracks where people who really love to drive can drive because, you know, there's still places people can ride horses. So if, if that's really what you're all about. Um, but I mean, when you weigh that against 40,000 people a year being killed, you know, I, I know you've heard all of the metaphors and all the comparisons, but would we tolerate Uh, you know, 400, 100 passenger planes going down in a year. I mean, it's incredible.
2: No, I I completely agree. And I use that exact same analogy um, in my highway safety course. And so I'm I'm right in lockstep with you there. And I don't, I don't have a good sense um, how knowledgeable the public is about the seriousness of this. Now, for example, MDOT, has used its roadside dynamic message signs to provide you know, year-to-date updates of traffic fatalities as an example. And I think that helps to bring the message home to a degree. And we've run some survey work as a part of some of our research projects that have shown that the, the public is receptive to those types of messages. Um, but still, if you compare car crashes to various other types of killers, you know, various types of diseases and so forth, it's very high up on that list but that message for whatever reason hasn't really resonated as much. And I'm not necessarily sure of the reasons for that. And I think if if we think about just the speeding issue in general, we also have some other factors uh, that make that issue more severe. So if you look at fatal crashes, there's an overrepresentation of fatalities at night. And so at night, we can't see as far ahead in the roadway, and so if you're going at higher speeds, you know it's more likely you're going to be involved in a collision. For example, um, fatalities. And there was a are, time
0: when we had lower speeds at night. We had lower right. speed limits, right?
2: A- absolutely, and things like drinking and driving. You know, part of the reason there's such an overrepresentation of fatal crashes there is that your your functional ability is just degraded. You know, you don't have the reaction time, you don't have the visual acuity. And if you're driving faster and also under the influence, you know, these problems are just exacerbating one another. And then I guess the the third example there would be distracted driving. And, you know, just think of the analogy, if you're going five or 10 miles per hour faster and you're looking down at your cell phone, you're traveling that much further. And so, you know, if we look at the pandemic specifically back to your initial question um, I'd say that the one big factor that's changed is just how many people are on the road, but we haven't changed many of the bad driving behaviors and practices that we have. And I would suggest that a lot of those behaviors are probably more prevalent now because people may be more likely to drive distracted if there's less traffic on the road, you know and, and things of that nature. And so you know we're we're continuing to learn more about this um, but it's it's clear that we just have some fundamental issues here that are very challenging to deal with. And it'll be interesting to see uh, what solutions we may come up with to try to address this moving forward.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, the the state police and other investigative agencies have also seen a, a, a trend in not as many people wearing seatbelts, which is also troubling and, and hard to figure out, you know, why that coincides with all of this. I, I don't know. There are a lot of theories about that too, that, uh, I mean, why are people in such a hurry during a pandemic? Uh, you know, just There's a lot of things that just don't make sense, but I really appreciate your insights. And I think uh, as as this goes on and, and you and your colleagues do more research and more study, this is something we'll want to talk about some more. So thank you very much for taking your time.
2: Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you much.
0: That's a wrap for this edition of Talking Michigan Transportation. Check out show notes and more by subscribing on Apple Podcasts.